1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12 month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary, discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: Oh, it's going to be ugly. I can tell you that. Get ready for UGLY. You've got an alibi, Dallas. You stink you stink. <laughs> okay? um, it's going to be ugly. Okay. I mean, it really is. <laughs> it was hilarious at the time, but the joke was
1: on us because the Cowboys Seriously. covered the 14 point spread last Hummer. week. We're getting
2: should have won it the damn game. <laughs> oh, I know, but at least yeah. they covered yeah.
1: oral victory. Hey, and, and also it improves their chances to get in position to not take one of the top quarterbacks because Jerry and Steven Jones continue to insist they won't take a quarterback. But I have a feeling that may come up at some point today. The show is Pro Football Talk Live. It's a Wednesday morning, November 11th. Happy Veterans Day. We appreciate and respect everyone out there who is serving, Definitely. who has served, who may serve in the future. It's part of what makes this country what it is. The willingness of people to volunteer, to participate in the armed services and the joint and common defense of our country so we salute all of you and we appreciate your service and we appreciate your membership in our audience because we know folks in the military love them some football chris
2: no doubt no doubt i mean uh, all the things that the military you know veterans yes serving now ones that are done i mean we, we wouldn't be where we are as a country this great country all the freedoms we have it's it's all because of the people who are willing to make those sacrifices and uh I know, I know I don't want to make some of those sacrifices sometimes, so I, I am really thankful to all those out there who have done that and for us to live a better life. So uh, kudos to you, and let's go. Let's keep fighting the good fight, America. All right,
1: and here we go on Peacock, 9 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN for the re-air. Hello, future audience watching on NBCSN. Hello, even deeper into the future audience watching in primetime in the UK and in Ireland on Sky Sports NFL and anyone out there listening via podcast. I got to say hi
2: to my Aunt Jeannie in Kentucky. Like, she's in the next state over you. You know, I always say hi to Aunt Wendy here in Jersey. I got to say Aunt Jeannie is like dad's sister, right, his oldest sister. She watches the show every day. For some reason, she's another one of my family that's been fooled by you that thinks you're kind of like charming and funny and whatever else. So say hi to her too because she's a loyal watcher and I feel bad that I haven't given her a shout out in three years.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's only been three years. I know. I, I feel bad. I, I
2: think five years is the
1: appropriate cutoff point okay, to okay, give your good. close family members <laughs> props. I mean, Aunt Jeannie probably has had steam coming out of her ears every time you talk about Aunt Wendy. You know how aunts and uncles get about know, their nieces and nephews, so right. you have really screwed this one up. You better come through with a great Christmas gift. That's all I can say. So, thank so hello, you. Aunt Jeannie. Thank you. We're glad you've been part of the party, and shame on Christopher for not mentioning you sooner. Okay. Okay uh nfl owners met virtually on tuesday they've been meeting virtually throughout the pandemic not all the time but they do their meetings that way and this is a a a a separate and special one from the normal quarterly get-togethers and they had a couple of items of business they wanted to take care of one a contingency plan that we've been discussing and we've added to some of the reporting at first we just kind of dropped out there hey if they lose games they're going to play a 16 team playoff field well The way it's going to work is, ideally, 17 seasons, or 17 weeks, 17 seasons, 17 weeks, 256 games, get them all in, stick with the current playoff format of 14 teams. If you can't get all the games in 17 weeks, you have your 18th week. If you have any, and what they're saying is meaningful games that can't be played with that 18th week, then that's when... You expand the playoffs from fourteen to sixteen. Now, meaningful, I assume it, if it would have any impact whatsoever on playoff seeding. Now you could say, well, it's only meaningful if it impacts who gets in or who doesn't get in or who gets the buy. Everything else, two, three, four, five, six, that's not meaningful. I I, I think they should strive to get every game played. Yes, and, definitely. And and uh and now now if you if you play a game between the Jaguars and uh, the Bengals and both are mathematically eliminated, and there's no way that 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 the outcome of that game can affect any tiebreakers or seating. Then I guess you go ahead and up and and, and stick with fourteen. But you know I, I just think they should try to get every game played period. and then and then uh, if if any games aren't played, then you make a, a good faith, yeah. fair assessment of whether or not you should expand the playoffs. To sixteen, if it has any impact whatsoever, though, I think you should.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I would think so too, right, Mike? That would be the first thing I, I or at least thought of, and and with that scenario, you know, okay, w- well, seating has to be a part of that conversation, right? I mean, it has to be. If there was a big game between, you know, uh, just two top tier football teams, and oh, well, let's just say we could go go to the, the the AFC. Let's say the Steelers and Chiefs are tied, same record, right? And I know that's not going to happen because they're going to play each other at some point and that's going to be a tiebreaker. But you know what I mean. Steelers and Chiefs don't play each other this year. Oh, yeah, you're right. They don't. I don't know what I was thinking. I thought they were. So let's say they end up tying, right? And let's say it comes down to, man, it's going to come down to this tiebreaker, that tiebreaker, whatever it is. And it might be strength of schedule, something like that. Like, I guess what I'm saying is how far down the line will they go as far as this has meaning for the impact of the seeding? Or is it going to have like a have to have a direct effect? I guess is. is I think you know any effect anything? whatsoever. Yeah, they need okay. to get the game
1: played. They need right. they need to, and and this is the way it's going to work. Right. Now the the actual language hasn't been crafted yet. They've yeah. just approved going forward with it. But remember, if the meaningful game can't be played, then that's when you expand the postseason to sixteen games. I just think if the outcome of that game would have any impact whatsoever, directly or indirectly, on the configuration of the playoff tree and that game can't be played, then you flip the switch and you go to 16. And look, I think they're going to err on the side, Chris, of going to 16 because if you lose regular season games, you are losing money. or And, and there isn't a direct bright line connection between not televising these games and losing money from the networks because it's more complicated. It's a broader relationship. They're currently negotiating new deals, but, but still for the NFL, ideally you want to deliver everything you've promised. Yeah. If you don't deliver regular season games, you can turn around and deliver two extra postseason games that would have value. So I think that the NFL probably is going to be inclined to implement the 16 team contingency plan if in any doubt whatsoever let's go ahead if we've lost any game and the way it was told to me last know, week if we lose get. any games right. at all we're going to 16 right now this meaningful thing has been thrown on top of it and I don't think anybody really knows what that means
2: no no I don't that's where I like you know bring up to your like let's jaguar, jaguars and Bengals. you know like I said oh the game might not have any direct meaning as far as those two teams or anything like that or anything to get in get in, but that's what like that's what I'm asking. Are they gonna play that game if it becomes down to oh a strength of schedule or oh now this team won, so this team becomes the one seed and this team becomes the two seed. You know, I and, and I think here's here's right. the right way to frame it. Yeah. I think the goal is going to be to try to
1: play every game yeah, okay. in that eighteenth week if it gets postponed. But if they can't get the game played, I think this is where the question comes in of expanding the playoff field. Yeah. If they can't get that Jaguars-Bengals game played, what impact does that have to have on that's, the that's configuration the way to say of it. the playoff tree? Yeah in order to activate the 16 games and I I would say any whatsoever yeah strength of victory strength of schedule strength of this strength of that and it doesn't take many tiebreakers to get into those because it seems like every year now we're we're doing one of these crazy calculations of all the different permutations that affect the ultimate seeding if it has any effect whatsoever and you can't get the game played go to 16 boom period that's it now again They haven't crafted the actual language, and one of the factors here, and this is an example of a situation where the NFL puts the cart in front of the horse and gets the public behind it, and then it pressures the union to agree. The union doesn't have to agree. The union will take the position that this is a subject of bargaining, that they must come to the union and say, we would like to do this. Let's talk about it. Are you okay with it? Is there something you would want in exchange for it? And th- it was five, six years ago, Chris, where the NFL was careening toward expanding the playoffs from 12 to 14. What happened this year was going to happen 2015, 2016-ish. Yeah. And the union said, no, 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 no. I mean, you may, th- you may just assume that we're fine with two extra playoff games and that we're-, we're fine with taking our cut of the extra money that comes from it. You may assume that, but you assume wrong we still have a voice in this and they never agreed to it until it was part of the broader negotiation back in February of this year that's when the 14 team playoff field was implemented so there is no no uh absolutely no uh way that you can that you can just assume that the union is okay with it yeah, they may okay. not be right and now now my understanding is look if revenue is going to be lost yeah as a result of not playing regular season games, and this is a way to make it back, the NFLPA is going to be inclined to agree. But I think it would be a mistake to just think the NFL is going to ram this through with no concession whatsoever to the union. Because this is, this is how bargaining works. This is something the league wants. Okay, you want it. What are yeah, you giving us? Right. What are you doing for us? Well, you benefit from it. Well, maybe we do, but we don't have to agree to it. So we have some power here. What are you doing for us to get us to agree this. Mike, i just ask, ask you this. Question.
2: Do you think they're going to try to look for a reason to expand the playoff format? Like, okay, it's, you know, two meaningless games that need to be made up, all right? And have very little implications if li- if any at all, right? Let's just say if one team won, you know, this team went from the 7th seed to the 6th seed and the 6th seed went to the 7th seed. All right, where there's not really difference there, right? They're still on the road in the playoff game. Is the NFL going to use that and go, well, I I don't like this. We need to have an extra team in the playoff because they're going to want the extra money in a down year and things like that. That's the other thing that jumped off to my head immediately in reading this. Will they find, and I don't want to say this, but lack for a better way of saying it, an excuse to say, 16-team play playoff field this year, you know, we had this one game, and everyone might go, well, that one game meant nothing, but they just do it? Do you think that's a possibility? Well, I think that – look, that it gets to what I was saying earlier. They're yeah. going to err on the side of calling of any game it. meaningful that they possibly yeah. can. So, oh, we lost one game. Yeah. We
1: got in 255, not 256. There yeah. was one game that even with the extra week, we couldn't get it played. Oh, well, here we go to 16. And, you know, look, meaningful – it can be yeah so broad defined narrowly and broadly. Yeah. I mean, look, it's every game is meaningful to the draft standings. Yeah, that's right. To the draft order, right. if they care about that. Now that they they you know they pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Teams have an incentive to lose games. That would they really want to force in an extra game just to determine? whether or not the loser gets a higher spot, but who knows? Maybe that one last game determines the first overall pick in the draft. Is that meaningful? I just think that if they can't get any game in, let's go ahead and activate 16, Yeah. and uh, and that's that. Uh, Unless you can look at it and say there's no way that it affects anyone strategically for playoffs, for draft status, for anything, but it's all to be determined. It's all to be written. See, they have to take this concept – and put it on paper. That's the next step. So the cart is in front of the horse, and there are some issues that need to be ironed out, and hopefully they get them ironed out soon because Week 10 is upon us tomorrow night when the Titans and the Colts get together. Now, there was at one point a thought that a 16-team playoff field would look like it did back in 1982 when you were two. what? Two. Yes. Yeah. During the yeah, you were born in August, yeah. so you were two in '82. Yeah. I was not; I was seventeen, which is uh, somewhat depressing. Considering I'm sitting here talking to a two-year-old now, which you know, I guess is kind of fitting based upon some of the things you say, <laughs> Thank um, you. as Aunt Jeannie could probably confirm in ways that uh, we, we we can't mention on TV, given your uh, vocabulary, which uh, is uh, very uh, colorful at times. So, in 1982, when they lost. Seven games per team to a strike. They just did a straight one through eight, no regard for divisions, top to bottom playoff tree. And there was talk that that's what they would do, that you don't get dibs for being a division winner. You don't get one of the top seeds for being a division winner. You you don't get the automatic four spot if you are the best of four bad teams in the NFC East. They ended up deciding... To go ahead and let the division winners have home games. Troy Vincent, the executive VP of football operations with the NFL, spoke with Peter King yesterday. Here's their exchange on that point.
0: There was a time that there was consideration for not giving the four division winners, they would make the playoffs, but not giving them the top four seeds. Is that correct? That is correct. And, and it, what, the,
4: the thought was there was, if any time you could maybe change up some things in the current environment, why reward a team that, frankly, may win their division with five wins?
0: Why reward them with a div- a, a home game? Against a- the team that might win 10 or 11. Correct. <laughs> and that was, frankly, that was a
4: debate, Peter, of the committee for quite some time. Yeah. for quite some time what
0: eventually what eventually turned the tide against it
4: I would just say when you think about the team or the divisions that were um tradition that, that really the best way to answer this tradition and not yeah. moving away from uh tradition um in a year where we've had a lot of uncertainty and if we didn't have to do it why do it
0: is there any way that sanity can prevail in the playoffs and we can please not have Uh, potentially a team with seven or eight wins in a regular season, a normal regular season, not host a playoff game against a team that might have even 11 or 12 wins?
4: I think eventually we may get there. I think what we're seeing, which potentially could occur, and we still got a lot of ball to play, but what potentially can occur, I think it lends to that discussion.
1: Troy's written for one of his former teams the Philadelphia Eagles to win some games so that isn't relevant but look if we're going to get caught up in tradition the tradition of the NFL if you have eight teams per conference in the playoffs is to not give the division winners an automatic home game it's to seed them from scratch so tradition is a malleable word in this context and that's the tradition it's only been done one other time but that's the tradition Look, this gets into a different issue that we have been griping about as the NFC East has been horrible. Every year, there's a division that doesn't hold its weight because there's only four teams in the division. That's part of the reality of only having four teams in a division. And yes, it looks good on paper to have the conferences separated in four divisions and four teams. It's symmetrical. It's neat. It's tidy. It's geographically accurate for the most part, unlike the days when the Arizona Cardinals were in the NFC East which was just ridiculous. But uh, it, it, there are flaws, and that's the big flaw. Um, but, but so the bottom line is whoever, if they don't get all the games in, is in first place in the NFC East is going to be the four seed, period, unless one of those teams goes on a tear and ends up with a better record than the Packers or the Saints or the Seahawks, who are currently leading the other three divisions. And, you know, the other side of this too, Chris, we talked about this yesterday. After this weekend, every team will have played nine games, yeah, minimum. Right. Some will have ten. Uh, in 1982, it was just nine games. I mean, we we are at the top of the fifth. The complete game is there. Uh, the question is, how many more games will they get in? And it's not a ridiculous question, even though the NFL currently has played all of its games, as we see, number one, the pandemic continuing to spread record numbers 100,000 new cases for six straight days maybe seven now I've lost count of that and we see more and more hot spots popping up and it's just, we're just used to it now oh somebody's on the COVID-19 reserve yeah, list tested right. positive we are and then the next day you find out how many guys get knocked out because of it yesterday we'll be talking about this coming up it was Ben Roethlisberger knocked out because of it so uh and not not because he has it just because he sacked. Next to Vance McDonald on the plane back from Dallas. That's yeah. enough to get him knocked out for five days. So it just feels like at some point they're going to lose some games. They're going to get some games postponed. They may not be able to make them up. But uh, I, my point is this. We're already approaching the point where they can feel like, okay, we did we got get a enough season. Done. Know, nine right. games. We got yeah. nine. That's right. enough dump. I mean, they were talking about reducing it to 12. We're almost there.
2: No, just a few weeks away from getting to 12.
1: Everything after that's gravy.
2: It it is. The the meat and potatoes are, I mean, you're right. We've, we've, we've made it through, I think, you know, not to say the tough part, but you know, we've at least figured out how to exist here with COVID-19. I know it might get worse and whatever else, but it does seem that, you know, teams, when cases arise, they're doing the right things for the most part. They're following protocols, you know, the specific scenario with Vance McDonald—that's one I don't really get in the NFL right now. With like, you know, the common knowledge right now of yeah, you could be not feeling well and not test positive for two or three days after that. You know, to me that—that's one that needs to be remedied there or fixed a little bit. I, I mean, because they're lucky that you know they get away out of a plane flight, a football game, that it doesn't become more of an outbreak that way, but. It does seem like coaches, players, for the most part, still are staying on the straight and narrow, have kept that message to their team, their players, everything like that. And just uh, I I don't I feel confident. I do. I'm not saying we get all 256, but I feel like we're going to get very close to to accomplishing the full season and, and feeling good about it and having a legit playoffs and everything like that.
1: The problem is, and it continues to be, when the players, coaches, and other essential personnel go their separate ways at the end of the day, unless they are in hermetically sealed rooms in their homes and they are exposed to no other human beings, you are going to have the ever-increasing possibility of someone bringing it to the facility. And you know, Shereen Williams and I talked about this last night on PFTPM. All you have to do is watch a game. No one on the sidelines is behaving as if anyone else has it. No. They're behaving under the presumption that no one else has it. That, hey, we're all tested every day. We're fine. We're clear. And I don't know what it's going to take to get the message across to those guys. Just because you're tested every day doesn't mean you don't have it today. Vance McDonald, the latest example of a guy who was all clear Testing negative, 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 negative. Gave a sample Sunday morning, went and played the game. Oh, came back positive. It can happen at any time. And just watch how they, and let's just set aside, as we're all trying to do now, this ridiculous political argument that masks don't work. The NFL requires the wearing of masks. Doctors have proven that masks help protect you and those around you. Look at look at what's going on on the sidelines. You got so many guys that don't have their noses covered, which you may as well definitely not even not. have the damn mask on. You've got guys in each other's faces talking loudly. They're they're trying to win a football game. See, that's where you can't it's get hard, right. the two plates balanced. You no. want to win a football game, so this plate of maybe I'm going to get exposed to this virus that gets that gets forgotten definitely. Front and sen- front and center is well, doing what you have to do. to Well, win a football and game. front
2: and center to like what you're saying is, you know, a lot of these guys are going. Wait, but it, it's okay for me out there to be smashing faces with somebody that's good there. But then when I get on the sideline, I have to do this. Why? Just for a message? So I think that's where players. Well, no, no,
1: I, right. But that's that's why that's why people need to say, you're at greater risk of catching it. When you're face-to-face on the sideline yeah. for five minutes, for ten minutes, and then you come back and you sit next to that guy again after the next drive, it's that prolonged exposure to the person who has it right. who is breathing that into your face. The, 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 the real quick tackle the guy, put him on the ground, get up and go, that's not nearly enough to get you exposed if that guy has it. And I don't know if, see, you need to have full buy in from all the coaches. And I don't think there's full buy in from all the coaches. No, I I think think you have plenty of coaches who think it's no big deal. And why are we worried about this? Why are we wasting time on it? And they're not explaining it to their guys the way they should. And also, they're trying to explain to their guys what they need to do to win that, a football That's the game. biggest thing. You only thing, have Mike. so many hours in the day. You're right. to preach
2: to your players. You're going to preach football, not virus. Yeah, that, that, that's that's really what it is. You know, it, it, these aren't bad people. You know, for the most part, you you know a lot of them. I do. They they want to be good and. And do the right thing. And they're not trying to endanger people, but it is their livelihoods and it's the emotions of the game. And it's a pressure, you know, pressure packed job and everything like that to where, yeah, they want to. And I'm sure when they got home, they hear it from their kids and their wife, hey, we saw you without your mask on. I mean, I've had a few coaches say that. That's what's really kept them on the straight and narrow is their family at home going, you look like an idiot, you know? You know, my mom called after the game and texted me and said she saw me a few times without it. You know, that's checking. But yes, it's the emotions. It's, you know, the uh, I got to communicate this really fast and really quick. And you need to hear it because I got to go back here and coach or you need to run out in the field. And that's where, yeah, there's a little disconnect, let alone that we know there's just not people in the league as far as players, coaches that really fear it. Like we've always been saying. And that's where there is a little bit of an issue there and the league decided a couple of weeks ago to strongly
1: encourage distancing and mask wearing at all times on the sidelines even if players are in the game but they currently aren't in the game and it's just hard to get them to do it voluntarily at some point it needs to be a mandate and the league is concerned that that's an area where the virus can spread back to this this contingency plan yeah i want to talk more, here's of this. more yeah well here's more I, I want to play this for you peter well, king with troy vince sent the executive vp of football operations on the possibility that there are extra Games in the wild card round that Monday night could be a spot where games get dropped. Uh, here they are.
0: This year, if this is passed to have eight games on wild card weekend, yeah, Peter, we we're all in, Peter. But that's the beauty of it. I
4: kind of like it, different. Yeah. But yeah, the no wild card weekend, you going? One is one is rolling. No buys. You coming right off the regular season. You don't have extra rest. Everybody's banged up. It's you. You got to rock.
0: Yeah, um, I'm sure this is way, way, way too early. That wild card weekend. Could you see a chance that one of those eight games or more might be played on Monday night?
4: I think all things are on the table. Very possible.
1: Yeah, and look, you've got to figure out where to put these extra games and why not park them in primetime. The only challenge is you're reducing the recovery time That's, that's what I love. Of don't the like. teams that play on Monday night. You right. have to almost, what you almost have to do is, and, and I've been a proponent of maximizing the primetime windows, but you, you take that team that plays on Monday night and you guarantee them the latest possible game the following week, or you just make Monday night part of the playoff experience.
2: That, I think that's what you definitely Monday to, yeah. night, you know. Right. But the
1: thing is, you you're always tied to a team that plays that first Monday night Here because whoever wins the first Monday night plays the next Monday night in the divisional round and whoever wins that game plays the next Monday night in the championship round. Yeah. And, and I I've been saying for years, Sunday night, Monday night. That's the way they should handle the conference championship games especially with two weeks between the conference championships and the Super Bowl. Now, this year, who knows if there'll be two weeks or not, because here's the thing. Once we get the regular season in, I'm hoping they're going to have home market bubbles for the postseason because it's not like there's a lot of flexibility to delay playoff weekends if a team is ravaged by the virus and guys just can't play or there aren't enough players to play or whatever the case may be that causes the NFL to pull the plug. Uh, You know, there isn't a whole lot of flexibility to say, Well, we're going to have to postpone the divisional round for a week now. Uh, you can't just postpone one game. You well, you know, we're, we're going to play three of the four divisional round games. We'll make the other one up next week. And then you've got two more weeks in between those games. And the, it's just it's a mess, potentially. So just just getting through the regular season is only part of the battle. They still need to keep this thing under control to get through the post.
2: Well, I know. And when are the owners going to meet about that? You know, that that would be th- something I'd, I'd want to know, too. I mean, at what point are they going to start discussing playoff bubbles for these teams? Because I would think, again, that's going to have to be something that's going to be, you know, discussed between the NFL, the NFLPA, and making some sort of deal there to make sure that, you know, the entity of the playoffs is protected. So, I, I mean, uh, I, I would... I'm shocked, actually, that wasn't part of this meeting in general. Maybe it was. Maybe we didn't hear about it. Well, but this is something that the union definitely would have to agree to. It's something the
1: union's resistant. And I think there's a belief, Chris, that for the teams that get to the postseason, you don't need to have a mandatory home market bubble. That it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to convince all players, coaches, and essential staff to explain to their family members – Look, we've gotten through the holidays. Yeah, okay. Right? Right. The season doesn't end until after January 1 this year. Yep. I'm going to stay in the hotel until this is all over. Right. Uh, It may be three weeks. It may be one week. It may be four weeks. But we're pursuing a championship. We're trying to build a legacy. There's more money at play, higher-profile games. You know, if I'm going to be a free agent after the season, I'm playing in front of a large audience of teams that are sitting at home watching me play – for all those reasons, I think you'll see more and more guys. And then you reach a critical mass where if enough of them are staying in the hotel voluntarily, they're all going to stay they in the will. hotel voluntarily. Yeah,
2: that's, you're right. I mean, you know, if if the 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 Green Bay Packers see Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and, you know, Preston and Zedaria Smith, see, see them staying in a hotel, most likely the rest of the team will follow and just go, okay, that's what we're going to do. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You know, uh, the other thing you know the, the I, I don't know if I love the Monday night football thing I hope that doesn't happen but I don't know is there any other way to orchestrate the weekend with that many games I mean that I guess that's the really the big question because I don't want to see a team play you know I, I like what you said as far as the Monday yeah and then it has to be the next Monday and then it'll have to be one more Monday after that certainly but I I, I mean yeah I don't want to see a playoff team at a disadvantage with a short week against another team who you know maybe had a first round first round, or no, it wouldn't have, be a case in this, right? But had, didn't have the short week. I don't want to see that. I want to see best football, you know, right. at its best. Teams getting to prepare, do all that. We saw a game like this a few years ago where the Chiefs uh, and Pittsburgh got delayed, and then we oh you know, the Chiefs the, the 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 Chiefs lost to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh goes to New England in a short week, and they looked like crap. They they were. Well, outplayed it,
1: it was just it was just delayed from afternoon to evening it wasn't it was delayed it? by a day but I but, but I think it, no no no. it was just from from morning to evening there was a, an ice storm uh in Kansas City and it, it ended up being a prime time game when it was supposed to be played maybe at one o'clock that day okay. or at four o'clock but but the, the, the every year I don't know that it happens every single year but there's always that potential that someone who plays on the Sunday of wild card weekend
2: yes, has to, to play turn Saturday and play the
1: following Saturday right against uh, somebody who's been off for two weeks you get six days to prepare for a team that's had a 14 day or a 13 day break as the case may be so I'm fine with one day the problem is you know you can't you can't do Monday Saturday it would at, at the latest that team would have to be guaranteed a Sunday game if you play on Monday night but you've got eight windows now that you've got to find on Saturday and Sunday if you're not going to use Could you Monday night.
2: Could you do it? Could you do it like, you know, an, an 1130 kickoff, a 3 o'clock kickoff, a 7 o'clock kickoff, and a 10 o'clock? I mean, I, I'm just throwing stuff out there. I've just been thinking about it. I know I love here on the East Coast. I love the London games when they come on at 930 in the morning here. I mean, that's awesome. I do love it. I know that's not fair to like the West Coast, but – can, they, can we find some balance to squeeze them all in? I mean, that could, would be a great day of football. I would love that. It depends on where the games are going to be,
1: yeah. right? You're not going to play a New York game at 10 o'clock at night. No. And you're not going to play a West Coast game at what would be 630 in the morning right. if that's when you would start equivalent to when those London games begin. But it's it's easy to, to have three windows on a Saturday or a Sunday it becomes much more difficult to add in that yeah, fourth window, which is what which is what the NFL would be trying to do. But I guess what you would do, if you could pull it off, you do a morning game, you do 10-1, one, four, and eight, right, right. But who's going to watch that game at ten? The, who's I don't know. It's a playoff game, and it's on TV. I mean, we will. The West Coast gets screwed get, a little, yeah. I know, but if they can get to Monday night, I think you find a way to get to Monday night, and then you guarantee that the winner of the Monday night game plays the following Sunday you don't have to go Monday 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 through the playoffs you can do Monday Sunday yeah especially for this one year you can say to a team you're playing Monday night and then you're playing the following Sunday in the late window period that's it all right we got plenty more to get to from what happened yesterday we'll find time to do it we were supposed to do it in this first half hour but we had so much fun talking about the potential for playoff expansion and we hope that you were at least I don't know mildly as interested in the topic as we were when we return, more bad news. For Ben Rothersberger, we alluded to it earlier between the knee injuries and being on the COVID-19 reserve list. What does it mean for the Steelers as they get ready to play a Bengals team that isn't nearly as bad as their record would suggest? We'll talk about that when PFC Lockheed Team with to us.
3: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal
4: Mike, as mentioned previously, Ben has played with limited or no practice reps in the past. What can you learn from those
2: experiences that could potentially help you this week as you prepare for the Bengals?
5: You
4: know, I'm not overly concerned about it. This guy's been doing his job for 17 years. Um, He's got snap experience that he can call upon. Um, We're still gonna work extremely hard virtually um, to prepare. Um, A lot of his work is above the neck anyway um, in terms of preparation. Uh, I have very little concern about it, to be quite
1: honest with you. Mike Tomlin, Steelers coach, regarding the fact that Ben Roethlisberger is on the COVID-19 reserve list. We mentioned that briefly in the first segment, sitting next to Vance McDonald on the flight home from Dallas. Close enough contact to get Roethlisberger excluded from the facility and in isolation for five days, even if he never test positive even if he never has a single symptom even if he's perfectly fine he is away from the team just like Matthew Stafford was for the Lions last week so now you have to get ready without practice yeah. it's unclear how much he would have practiced anyway That's with an right. injury to his knees yeah not one knee both knees so uh yeah they got to get him ready without practicing get him practice on Wednesdays anyway every single week he didn't practice because of veteran rest day so uh he's practicing Thursdays and Fridays and Tomlin's right at this point how much practice does he really need? No, right. Here, here's a question. Here's a question Shireen Williams raised yesterday that I need to explore with the Steelers. How does his treatment for his
2: knees work? That's if a, he's in isolation. That's for a good five one. Days? That's a good one. I I I wonder how that does work. Now, you know, some of the stuff he's doing, like the machines, things like that. I, I know I've gone through it before. They probably could bring those to his house. Maybe his wife goes to the facility and gets a few of the, you know, big leg sleeves that push this really cold water in there, and then they it moves around with pressure to push the swelling out and everything like that. And then I think they'd probably have to end up doing Zoom exercises, I guess. That would be how I would think it has to go down, something like that. They can, they can manage it. They could pull it off. And, you know, Mike Tomlin, like you said, it, he's right. I mean, Big Ben... At this point of his career, it is just about getting the mechanics of, okay, we're running this, oh, i got to check to this. When they play that defense, all of it, yeah, you want to practice. But, man, if there's a handful of guys in football that can get away with no practice, uh, he would be on that short list of guys, certainly, to where I wouldn't worry too much. This guy has been able to deal with these type of things his whole career. I mean, we talk about it all the time, how beat up he played in the prime of his career, and he had a lot of weeks back then where he couldn't practice and do things. Um, But the big thing is, and to what you said, Bengals are scary. They are scary. And I think they match up somewhat well with Pittsburgh, who we saw didn't play their best football. I want to see how they bounce back this week. But with that pass defense, Joe Burrow's ability to get the ball out of his hands quickly, Pittsburgh's pass defense is good. I'm not trying to say that, but they're not a man-to-man, lock-you-down type team. And Joe Burrow's ability to read defenses and get the ball out and they call a lot of short, quick passes and they're talented at receiver, Uh, I I could see them hanging in there and making this game very interesting. I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. I mean,
1: really, even though the Steelers are 8-0 for the
2: first time in franchise
1: history, they've only played their best football once this year against the Browns where they were completely on both sides of the ball. Every other game was flawed in some way. At least one of the games they should have lost, that was the Ravens game. There are other games where – you know, they're just living too close to the edge here, and it feels like at some point they're going to get that one L to go with however many wins they pile up. Mike Tomlin also said that the Steelers followed the NFL's policy in letting Vance McDonald play. You alluded to this last segment. Apparently he wasn't feeling well on Friday, yeah. but he still tested negative, so he was allowed to stay with the team. Look, I, I thought that they – had a rule that if you don't feel well, they send you home, no questions asked. That's what happened to Odell Beckham Jr. right a couple of weeks ago. And see, this is when the the doctors maybe are making decisions. The doctors who are hired and paid by the team, and the doctors don't want to take players out of the mix unless they have to. Yeah. And no, he's hey, he's negative. He doesn't have it. He's fine. Yeah, he's not feeling well, but you know, it's cold and flu season. He's got some other bug. I thought the NFL was taking the position that if you don't feel well, we're sending you home and we'll keep testing you. And if you still are negative, then you can come back. But uh, again, Tomlin says they followed the policy and maybe they did. Maybe yeah. the policy needs to be tweaked a little bit more. Yes, it is. Because clearly in this case, unless it's just a coincidence, and if it is, it's one hell of a coincidence, that he he that he that had the the cold or, or the flu and it was chased by COVID and he, he wasn't feeling... Ill on Friday, for any reasons relating to his eventual positive, but something's not right here. There's a donut hole, there's multiple donut holes in this process, and that feels like one.
2: Well, it definitely does. I, I mean, I, to me, yeah, the protocol has to be changed there. I mean, we're seeing this too much. I mean, throughout the country, forget about sports, whatever it is. You know, I don't feel good. And then, yeah, like we talked about earlier, the positive test doesn't come for a few days. For whatever reason, the virus takes a few days, 48 hours, whatever it is, to ruminate in the body and come out of the positive test that way. So, I mean, I would think at some point here, because of this specifically, that, okay, you don't feel well, we send you home, and yeah, we test you every day, but you don't get to come back no matter what until that third day or that fourth day. doesn't matter. You didn't feel good. We can't take the chance. We don't know. We don't want you sitting on the plane with our two biggest superstars on our team or the the starting quarterback or whatever. I would think that would make sense to adjust that part of the policy for sure.
1: Yeah, hey, even then, if there was any chance that Vance McDonald had it because he wasn't feeling well, I would put him at the back end of the plane, and I would put Ben in the front row, and all your other key players <laughs> lock as him in the bathroom as possible. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> two and a half hour flight from Dallas back to Pittsburgh. It's a little tight in the there,
2: Vance, but well, you'll be okay. How do f- <laughs> h- how do football players fit in those bathrooms? Oh, on plane? because I can barely fit. Oh, it's uncomfortable. I mean, it is. Unco- I mean, I'm not. You know, I know I'm tall, but I can't imagine being big and tall like an offensive lineman or something. I mean, yeah, my adult life taking a pee in the bathroom and a toilet. I mean, in the airplane, I'm I'm like this the whole time. I'm over here like this, doing this, and I'm just going, man. I hope we don't have a turbulence. I'm gonna break my neck if we do. I mean, I'm gonna break it. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, it's a little tight in there. Can they adjust that? I mean, can we get a bathroom with a legit ceiling height and a? Uh, do we not have that technology? Can we figure that out yet? I look. I I just
1: think that it's so much more valuable to the airlines to have seats. Oh, got to cram those two for. extra in there. That's you, right. You, you have to. You have to. You have to have a small bathroom. Uh, otherwise, it's money lost every single flight, every time that plane goes up. So why are you trying to get in the way of capitalism? Okay, <laughs> uh, another item that emerged yesterday. Uh, I got a copy of a court filing, and let me let me make this as simple as possible. There's an effort to amend the complaint that was filed against Antonio Brown in Florida last year, alleging sexual assault and rape. The plaintiff in that case, Brittany Taylor, wants to add a claim for punitive damages. Now, I'm surprised there wasn't a claim. For Punitive damages from the start, because in any type of a case where there is an allegation of intentional misconduct directed by one person to another, a civil lawsuit, punitive damages are sought because the idea is you have somebody who did something deliberately and intentionally that they shouldn't have done. It's not just enough to compensate the victim. You must punish the perpetrator in order to send a message to anyone out there that this kind of behavior will not be tolerated in the civilized society. That's what punitive damages do. They typically are always included. They haven't been included in this case. There's an effort to add it. It surely will be permitted. It doesn't change the allegations. It just is a different claim that's being attached to the claims already made. But what this does, this document and the affidavit attached to it, it's a vehicle for reminding everyone that Antonio Brown is facing some pretty serious allegations. An allegation of sexual assault with some graphic details we've written about it at profootballtalk.com. You can see it there. And an allegation of rape. And in her affidavit, the last line of it, she makes it clear. He raped me. Again, that's her allegation. But when we consider that the NFL took no action on that specific claim and let him come back, this lawsuit ro- rolls forward, and there's a finding by a jury in Florida that he did this. Doesn't matter whether it's criminal or civil. Doesn't matter whether the standard is proof beyond a reasonable doubt, as it would be in a criminal case, or preponderance of the evidence, 5149. You know, just believe the victim a little bit more than you believe yeah. Antonio Brown. Doesn't matter what the standard is. If a jury in Florida finds that Brown did it, the NFL is going to be scraping egg off of its face. For not coming to the same conclusion before the jury came to that conclusion, so there, there's a there's a PR nightmare percolating out there for the NFL, depending upon how this
2: case turns out. Yes, yeah, I mean, no doubt. I I mean, Mike. To me, when I saw this yesterday, the first thing I thought of is kind of how you started it off. Was this more of just like a, hey, I mean, her her, you know, the the young woman. And then her represent, representation was this just like, wait, you guys, nobody's going to talk. It's Antonio Brown and Tom Brady. It's cool. Oh, yeah. Hey, they're back together, blah, blah, blah. And this was just out there for a warning to be like, are you guys serious? You're all – everybody's celebrating this. Has everybody forgot about this aspect? I mean, I feel like that's what it was done to a degree. Like, almost like they're shocked he got back in the league, and now they're reminding everybody – you know, what, what's this person may or may be not like. I mean, hey, Tampa's going to have to deal with this talk. I don't know what else to say. You signed him. You wanted to listen to Brady and company, all that. Antonio Brown has four pages of issues over the last five years. I mean, it's a laundry list of issues. So, you know, like we've talked about, you you deal with that kind of thing, it's going to get on you too a little bit. And I don't know where it goes, but it is certainly dangerous you know, for for the NFL and yeah, I, I mean the the whole thing's crazy. Antonio Brown, some of his actions are crazy. You know, even what you wrote on the article too. I don't necessarily understand some of those things too. You know, the young woman was mistreated and then came back again. Why though? That's where I don't understand too. And well, I'm not trying to judge or anything I, like that. I'm just saying Antonio Brown's life's crazy. The story's crazy, and I don't know where the hell this goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, victims sometimes are caught in I know. kind of Tough a spell spots. and yeah. and it's a it's a difficult relationship yep. and um uh, you know, it doesn't make it right just because she comes back lives no, and, right. and tries to maintain a relationship with Antonio Brown. And business is being that does that does like, like that too. That, you're yeah, right. I'm not give trying a to blank check, right. I know. let, I know. let me I say know. this though. Yeah. If if the lawyers representing Brittany Taylor when they filed the lawsuit in September of 2019 deliberately held back the claim for punitive damages, thinking at some point down the road, there would be a PR benefit to to adding that. That's that's genius. That's legal genius. Uh, Now, look, it's not done for an entirely proper purpose. You're trying to put pressure on the guy. You're trying to remind people that this guy did some things, according to your client, that are heinous and awful and definitely not something that should be tolerated by a civilized society. But At the same time, they had a legitimate way to remind everyone of the claims made against Antonio Brown. It's legitimate because it wasn't part of the case. They're trying to make it part of the case, and now we're all reminded of it. So, you know, regardless, maybe we all needed a reminder. Maybe the NFL needed a reminder. Maybe the Buccaneers needed a reminder as to what this guy is facing while he's still eligible to play in the National Football League. We'll see how that all plays out. The case is technically still scheduled for trial next month. I'd be stunned if it goes forward next month. They have a lot of work to do. They have to do the entire discovery process, which is questioning people under oath and getting documents. There's no way this thing's going to be ready for trial next month, which is good news for Antonio Brown because it won't derail his 2020 season. It could affect him in 2021, but not this year. Let's take a break. More coming out of the league meeting from yesterday as it relates to a comment from Roger Goodell about the looming possibility of a dramatic change to the way – that an onside kick operates. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues. So the National Football League over the course of the last 10 years, Chris, has been trying to take away the play that has been described on the record by members of the competition committee like Rich McKay as the most dangerous play in the game, which, you know, if I was your lawyer, I'd probably not tell you to use those terms. If the goal is to avoid potential liability, you don't want to call it the most dangerous play in the game. But you know what? It is the most dangerous play in the game. So they've been trying to minimize it. They've done it by moving the kickoff point. They've done it by changing the touchback point. They've done it with a bunch of tweaks and twists. And eventually, they did a massive reconfiguration of the kickoff structure, which has the unintended consequence, Chris, of making it harder to recover an onside kick because you can't get a running start anymore. So as it becomes harder and harder for the team that is trailing to mount a comeback, and Roger Goodell has said this before, who does he root for? He roots for the team that's behind. He wants the games to be exciting. They have considered, and according to Goodell yesterday when talking to reporters, they will consider the 4th and 15 play as the alternative to the onside kick. I like it. I think it's exciting. I think it could be a hell of a lot of fun. I like the 4th and 15 play as the replacement for the kickoff, frankly, because you just punt rather than kick off if you want to give possession to the other team and not try to keep possession of the ball by converting on 4th and
2: 15. I like it. What do you think? Well, I, I, listen, I, I like it like to, to a degree. All right, There's some things I don't like. First off, I hate the premise, all right? Just like what you just said with like Roger Goodell and all that. That's the first thing. Hey, sometimes you get your butt beat and you don't deserve the kid to come back in the game. Sorry. Oh, gosh, everybody gets But a there's blue, all, but, but, everybody but gets a always, everybody no, gets to stop, come back. Stop.
1: Just stop. Yeah. Stop. You sound like people that you do not have anything in common with when you use that.
2: I don't Everybody care. That, that's what the hell crap. I feel about it. Don't tell me how but, I feel, Mike. Shut up. But there's okay? always been. But, no, uh, but, uh, but you but sound like some my people point. that you would, I don't care. It doesn't vilify. matter. Right. It's not. Well, then maybe you're one of them. Well, I am. Fine. Great. Put me in that list of the category of people I don't know what the hell you're talking about of. All right. But okay. But with special teams are a part of football. Now you're favoring. This is where I don't like it. You're favoring teams that are Patrick Mahomes and can throw the football. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens aren't favored there. That sucks for them. Uh-huh. Get a that's, better quarterback. Well, I don't like – but or maybe they find so – get a better quarterback. See, that's a bullcrap comment, Mike. Stop. I mean, he's one of the five best quarterbacks in football. We know that. Now, throwing the ball past 15 yards is not his strength. So, can they come up with a way to go, okay, now it's five yards and you have to run the football? Like, maybe, maybe that. Like, can right. you say something like that? But to me, now you're asking teams – to reorganize their roster, their like it's just not. I don't think it's totally fair that way. Where the other way, yes, well, it was about special teams in that third f- phrase, that phase. The problem,
1: the problem is, it's become dramatically harder for a team to yes. recover an onside kick. Yes. and and look, if the kickoff is so dangerous, then maybe you just do get rid of it altogether and replace it with fourth and fifteen. Now, I don't know how much safer the punt play is than the kickoff, but at least with you know the traditional kickoff configuration that they've gotten away from you don't have these two large strong fast guys running at each other this is basic newtonian physics yeah and they crash right and they dip their heads instinctively and you have intense pressure on the cervical spine and you get a kevin everett situation or eric legrand so yeah we'll be talking about that for sure i'm sorry i told you to shut up right after this that's all right you shut up
2: (laughs)